The episode you are about to listen to contains language regarding suicide, so listener discretion is advised. Go. Okay, ready, set, go. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Welcome to the Psychopath Podcast. I'm Gatana. And I'm Lizzie. And we are your hosts. Yes. And fellow psychopaths. Yes. Do you feel a little crazy sometimes? And do I you feel love... crazy right now. <laughs> totally crazy. And, and do you, you love... love books? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you love roasting? <laughs> I like roasting I vegetables. I like roasting people. Mm, like over a spitfire? Like, I don't know. Yeah. No. I like ro- <laughs> We like roasting authors, and we both have our master's degrees in English lit, but what did we really master? The art of sarcasm. And like overthinking. And overthinking. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was complaining to Lizzie about how I overanalyze everything. <laughs> I today. said that she paid a lot of money to overanal She's... to be good at overanalyzing. That's tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, that's a sixty thousand dollar toxic trait. Yeah. I will have No, you said you refused to call oh, it a yeah. toxic yeah, trait. Yeah, I refused to call it a toxic trait because it was sixty thousand dollars. Because overanalyzing is literally like my living nightmare every day. Um yeah. and it all fuels of our my peers. anxiety. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. And before <laughs> before we turned the microphone on, um, we were talking about how yesterday morning our friend who teaches, uh, I guess, what, it was like a writing class? She teaches a rhetoric class? She teaches class. Com- re- rhetoric and composition for a, a community, And she a needed, she requested of us to write an essay, like a sample essay she can yeah. show her students. Mind of- you, I'm not awake. Lizzie was not awake at all. It was like 8.30 in the morning. Yeah, I'm not up. I was up because my anxiety wakes me up at 7 in the morning. Um, And my stomach ulcers. Um, (laughs) It's a hard knock life. And it's a hard knock life. So she was like... She was like, I need a sample essay written to show my class as like an example of how to write a rhetorical analysis. Now, everyone, mind you, I have, I don't think I've ever written a rhetorical analysis because I skipped that part of like English courses in college. Did you take AP? I had AP. I had fucking AP I did. I did IB in high school. I had AP credit, so I got to skip, like, regular composition. Well, I went to school, college, the year before they started widely accepting No, this was a bad thing. Like, I should have gone into that because I should... They assumed that I learned composition in high school. There's, like, English 1A, 1B, 1C, right? in high school, no. 1B is literature. 1C is rhetoric and composition. Not rhetoric and composition. You know what happened is I took... AP English in junior year, and that was just literature. Mm. Lit, it was lit heavy. And then my senior year, I was like, I'm going to take a break. <laughs> I'm going to take a brain break and not be in any AP classes this year. And I went into regular dumb dumb senior year <laughs> high school wow. English, where basically we read, we read Catcher in the Rye, and we read Kafka's Metamorphosis, and the questions we had were strictly just, what was the plot? Mm-hmm. And my brain broke, and I couldn't believe how dumb some of the kids in my class were. And I'm not even saying this like, I'm so smart. It's just like, they thought that 
Gregor Samsa in Kafka's Metamorphosis uh-huh. that the whole book was just about him being a bug. And I was like, oh, oh, you poor unsharpened pencils. If only you knew. <laughs> <laughs> that Gregor Sam says it's more than him being just a bug. And my teacher didn't even really, like, <laughs> like expand. Well, and we wonder why kids Same with Catcher in the school. Rye. I don't even really have an, an-, an analysis of Catcher in the Rye. It, like, I never bothered again to read it. Because I don't even why, think it's my why? favorite of Salinger's work. His not, I mean, his short stories, his nine story short stories are my favorite ever thing ever that I've read. Wow. Yep. And I never have favorites of anything. So she really, and it's definitely better than Catcher in the Rye. I mean, that's not hard to beat. (laughs) Right. I know. Um, I mean, it's responsible for the death of John Lennon. So like. You Lest we forget. When I finished reading The Catcher in the Rye, I too was filled with a murderous rage. But For John Lennon. For John Lennon. <laughs> Couldn't act on it, though. A little too late. Okay, so point is, I got to skip regular composition class mm. in college and got to just jump straight to advanced classes in English. Um, so... My point is, our friend Jillian wanted us to write an essay for her students. I'm thinking, what in the hell is a rhetorical analysis? And then I was like, oh, ethos, pathos, and logos. Yeah. And the whole, the prompt was how does, it was like, how did culture shape your identity or some pick like a movie or a TV show or something that shaped your cultural identity or something like that. So 8.30 in the morning, me, pre-coffee, I was like Spongebob. Yeah. <laughs> That's where my mind goes. <laughs> my default was Spongebob. Spongebob has shaped my sense of humor. Yeah. And for, I mean, you for guys, like a whole generation. Everyone listening right now. I need you to understand. I needed to write 750 words. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, okay, well, 500 words is like half a page. So 750 is what? Two huge paragraphs? And I was so wrong because I wrote two huge paragraphs and I was at like 250 words. And I was like, damn, fuck. And then I felt the stress of being in school again. But I... I did it, and I wrote over 750 words, I'm and I turned it in, and I was like, please, did Jillian, Jillian feel grade? free to give me an F. And she was like, I'm going to grade the crap out of this. And, and she still she? hasn't given me a grade. Wow, Jillian. I think I probably flunked her class, but I gave such a great example of, like, Okay, first what of all, you probably did didn't flunk the English 100 Dude, class. I still have imposter syndrome, and I'm, I've been out of college okay. for, like, three years. I mean, yeah, that's fair, but, like... I'm still like, wow, who do I think I am? Credit. Yeah. So that, that was yesterday. <laughs> and today we're talking about Sylvia Plath. <laughs> because this week... Well, actually, her birthday is October 27th. Damn it. What? Yeah. What was this week? Why did we think it was this week? I think we were saying we're, we're recording it this week so we can post it the week of her. Or, really? or maybe we were even thinking of doing an epi- a separate episode completely where we only focus on her. Are you sure? Yeah. Because she's not down in this list of 
our 12 weeks of horror. Yeah, I think we were adding I, another I one. I really thought, did she die in October? No, she died February 11th. Wow. Well, okay, because the end of October we're doing Dracula and... Yeah, for Halloween. Silence of the Lambs for Halloween. So, sorry, Sylvia, we're going to celebrate early. Yeah. Wow. I Big say, blunder um, there. I know, like, perhaps we didn't prepare for this, but um, what's your favorite Sylvia Plath poem? And we should read them. <laughs> Daddy. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know if it is. Is it Daddy? Because I don't Daddy's know. a good Daddy's one. really good. I just. I just remember someone being so offended that she said Nazi lampshade in that poem. She does. And I remember telling that person, like, shut up, nerd. <laughs> in class. I mean, was it tasteful of her? Yes. No. <laughs> like no. a Nazi lampshade. I uh, love, and like, dude. she has like a uh, transatlantic dude. accent kind yeah. of, right? So Sylvia Plath. Okay, so this week we're going to do Sylvia Plath. We're gonna do Goblin Market by Briefly, we're gonna talk Elizabeth. About it. Why do I keep wanting to call her Elizabeth Barrett Browning? Oh my god. Elizabeth Rossetti. 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 Goblin Market. And now I'm gonna like Christina Rossetti. Well, I don't know what put Elizabeth into our minds. Because I said Elizabeth Browning. Like, and I'm I was, idiot. I was, oh, well, yes, I knew the last Elizabeth name. Elizabeth Browning what, wrote what? Like, The Leech Collector or whatever Elizabeth called? Barrett Browning? I don't really know. I Christina know Elizabeth. Rosetti. I know oh that Elizabeth God, Bishop. Christina Rossetti. Was she married to Dante Rossetti or was she just his so. sister? I think so. Maybe his because sister. Because there's a lot of sister brother. I don't know. Do we even. Reason. Okay, do we ever really want to talk about Garvin Market? Do we Market? even care? No. No, maybe no. we just won't. But I. I the globes of fruit, though. We can talk about it different. We're going to save it for another episode because yeah. this episode, we're just going to make it all about our mom. Yeah. Sylvia. So. Plath. What is your favorite poem? And pull it up. All right, we're. I love Lady Lazarus, mm. but Daddy's great. Daddy's so good. Okay, hold on. I'll pull it up. What's your favorite one? Mad Girl's Love Song. It's a villanelle. <gasps> I love that villanelle. Yeah. Okay. It's my favorite villanelle ever written. Even, even, it definitely even surpasses Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. Wow. Who wrote Do Not Go Gentle? Because I forget. Some Irish guy? <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. I used to have to this remember is... that stuff. Do and I'm glad we're not, not in school anymore. Which is exactly <laughs> how I felt yesterday. And I was like, wow, I have the skill to write an essay in... That took me 15 minutes, realistically. Mm. I wrote a 750 word essay in 15 minutes. And I need to know my grade now, actually, because... Dylan Thomas. Dylan Thomas. Because... um. I'm really curious to see what grade she would give me, and I hope she doesn't go easy on me. I don't think she will. Yeah. Um, okay. Do we? So, in our literary family, Sylvia Plath is our mom. Yeah, like it's, she's the reason for this name of this podcast. We well, are the yeah. Psychoplaths. Let's talk about our person. While you're looking for your favorite poem, let's talk about our personal journeys with Sylvia Plath. I will. You have a bigger personal journey than I do. Okay, I mean, so... you have the tat. Yeah, I got, I have a tattoo um, of Sylvia Plath. It's from her, not of her, it's from her poem, Fever 103. 
And it's the line, I am too pure for you or anyone. Your body hurts me as the world hurts God. I love that. I love that poem. That actually so made good. me want to cry just now. Oh I didn't God. know that's what your tattoo said. Yeah. That's what, I'm a great friend. Um, <laughs> oh, LOL. So, um, Sylvia Plath, um, okay. First of all, she's Back a genius. Up. She's a genius. Was a genius. R.I.P. Yeah. She's only 30. And you know, the closer, the closer I get to 30, the more Don't. I realize how young she was. I know. Oh, God. Absolutely young. So when I was 14 years old, she's I had a lot a going on in my life that was, like, upsetting. Yeah. And I read a lot in order to, like, you know, cope with it. That's when I found Sylvia Plath. Yeah. Um, I don't really remember how I heard about her. It was probably a very cruel joke. I got. I used to hear a lot of cruel jokes about Sylvia Plath and how college girls have Sylvia Plath faces and they misinterpret her. And some fucking guy said it. And it's kind of like is that shut. wrong though? I shut the hell up. Shut the hell up. I wouldn't even <laughs> call it a phase. And I definitely don't think they're misinterpreting her. I think girls. I feel like I feel like Tumblr girls do. I feel like. It, Okay, in any situation like that, like they go like, they're Lady, definitely I'm Lazarus raised from the dead. They're I'm so gone. <laughs> so edgy. I've I feel never like girls, seen anyone do. I feel that. like girls are I've very edgy on Tumblr with that. Sylvia Plath quotes. Okay, but I still don't think that's them misinterpreting her. I think it's finally finding somebody who I think it's simplifies a woman her, who's a woman who's dark and brooding she's dark and brooding it's simple they're just connecting her. it I what I think they're doing is they're romanticizing her and they're romanticizing yes. the way she died and I think that simplifies but I don't it in a think, way but I don't think that's the majority of people no or even the majority fans, especially no. the majority of women young women who no not at all so i found sylvia Plath when i was 14 years old and i like was instantly obsessed i think the first thing i read from her was lady lazarus mm. and then i mean you can pretty much find all of her poetry on the internet and then yeah, i read her diaries recently right no i want to reread them because it's kind of like you have her unabridged yeah I was definitely it was definitely a different version when I was like 15 because it was in they didn't sell the unabridged yet right I don't think so probably not because I thought that was a recent publication but like because her husband Ted Hughes burned her third burned a whole diary because he he didn't like how he was presented yeah but he he said asshole he said that he didn't want his kids to read it which is also like stop yeah don't be a helicopter parent. And it did recently come out in these letters. Of Syl- I think it was between Sylvia Plath and a confidant that oh. um, Ted Hughes did hit her. Like, she was being oh, abused. really? Yeah. I don't know the extent of it, but I know that it was a confirmation of what a lot of people suspected. Oh, God. Because in Ted Hughes, he got remarried after Sylvia. And, um, and that his wife, wife also killed, killed herself in the And same their way. baby. Right. At least Sylvia saved the children. Yeah, she was very conscious. She stuffed towels under the door to make sure. I mean, like, you're she not... She killed herself right. Yeah, you're not rational in that state. If you want to kill yourself, you're inherently irrational. But even in that irrationality... She loved her children. Yeah, she she stuffed. She made sure that they couldn't... Oh, she did what and she could. And then their son committed suicide as well. Yeah. Very sad. Oh, goodness. I hate all of it. Yeah. But. So, Sylvia yeah. Plath meant a lot to me. Um, she was kind of my first um, 
entrance into like literary criticism too okay that's cool and my favorite is mad girls love song Mm, which is a villain now yes i i haven't read i'll admittedly say i've not read a lot of her poetry i've Mm. read a lot of her famous ones and i read the bell jar Mm. Which is essentially like it's fictional. It's like a fictionalized kind of retelling of something that happened to her, of her kind of young life, which there were a lot of suicide attempts. Um, we won't be talking about like descriptive suicide stuff, but that's that. That's the extent of that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I read the Bell Jar. I liked it, and that was really that. Mm. And I was just like. Oh, she used to live in W.B. Yeats's house. That's cool. She was born in America, mm-hmm. went to school in America on the East Coast. Yeah, she's right? East Coast, New England East area. Coast. And then she went to... She um, moved to England. Yeah, which is why sometimes the English will claim her as one of their authors, but she wasn't. I hate that. Yeah, I think that's really it's ugly like, shut up, them. nerds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shut up, nerd. Shut up. Shut up. Bitful. <laughs> <laughs> you muppet. Yeah, Muppet. Okay, so they're Muppets, and yeah, they cannot own her. Yeah, that's where she died. That's not where she lived even the majority of her life. Right. But she has a cool voice. I and like it. And on Spotify, it. you can hear her recite her poetry, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, where it's just says, you will not do, you will not do. <laughs> 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 I love that. Daddy, I have had to kill you. Oh man, a brute, okay. brute hand on a brute like you. She's so good. But you have—I think you have a stronger connection with her. I haven't really invested enough of my mental bandwidth in her. Yeah. But she was a bright, bright star. Sometimes people come into your life, and she burnt out quickly, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh God! Like, what if she was still alive today? She'd be like in her nineties, right? Yeah, she very. It's very realistic that she could be alive. Oh my god, that would be so cool. She would have been in her eighties. Really? Yeah, she was born in nineteen thirty-two. Damn, I can't do math. Um, but I don't know. So, what did we want to say about Sylvia? I have some. So, notes. in terms of like horror and why I added Sylvia Plath into oh yeah, the I don't twelve even weeks know of why. horror. I think um, you kind of touched on Horror. something. I think the imagery in Lady Lazarus and the imagery in Daddy, I think that's horror. It's horrifying. She said, um, if I've killed one man, I've killed two. The vampire. Like, she, she yeah. talks about vampires. There's a monster. The fo- the figure of the father is quite monstrous. She talks oh, about yeah. Nazi la- lampshades and, like, the Holocaust is monstrous. That's she has She has horrifying imagery, for sure. Yeah. And so, with Mar- Mary Ventura in the Ninth Kingdom, it's dealing with this train that's metaphorically death. Oh, that's right. The short yeah. story. So, um, I-, I think that a lot of, um... I think it's a. I think it's um. I actually don't know what I'm saying. I, I okay. want to fill this space up, but okay. I think that when we label things as like horror literature, it almost devalues it because it's like genre writing. Yeah. But like, I think Sylvia Plath embodies like elements of horror. Totally. And I think the short story we read 
Mary Ventura and the Ninth Kingdom, which was published posthumously mm-hmm. when? Like a year, a year ago? ago? Two years ago. And it's it extremely was short. Yeah, it was written when she was like in college. And then Katana's yeah. going to do the recap. Yeah, okay. So Mary Ventura. It's a girl named Mary. Mm-hmm. Her parents put her on this train. We don't yeah. really know where she's going. We don't know why. I thought she was like going away to college or something. There's like almost no context yeah, to the story. There's no background. You're just like, she's saying, saying bye to her parents. And then she gets on the train and old lady sits next to her. And the old lady's like, oh, cool. What brings you on this train? She's like, my parents put me on this train. And there are nine stops or something like that. Nine kingdoms is what they call it. And she has to, Mary has to ride this train all the way to the end of the line. And then the train conductor's going to tell her where to go from there at the transfer at the ninth kingdom. And so... They keep stopping at these stops and people get off. And at the mm-hmm. seventh kingdom, I think one person is supposed to get off at that stop. And yeah. she sees the person like in a ton of distress. And they're like, no, I don't want to go after all. Like I changed my mind. I want to stay on this train. Like, let me just stay for longer. Yeah. And then Mary's asking the old lady like, oh, like that person was so excited to go. Like, why are they all of a sudden like in distress and the old lady's like well no one ever really wants to go like yeah and i was like oh, which God. kind of hints at it being death like it's not so you say death and i agree mm-hmm. yeah but also because okay to finish the recap like she almost gets the next stop's gonna be like the ninth kingdom and the old lady's like look you can still get out while you have the chance when it stops at this next stop run out of those doors because they're gonna open and so she does, and she runs out mm-hmm. and does not look back, and she keeps running till she reaches, like, the town and, like, a meadow and, like, Pleasantville, basically. And she's, like, by herself and can kind of, like, start up her own life as an independent woman. Mm-hmm. So the way I saw it, because obviously you can think, like, because the old lady was like, well, why did you, why are you on this train? And she's like, my parents put me on this train. And she's like, yeah, but you said yes like you chose to be on this train but she's like no my parents put me here and she's like no you're on this train because you're on here like you wanted to be here you made this choice and so the girl's like well i choose to not do this anymore and the old lady's like okay good you're learning (laughs) and this is how you're gonna get off this now so you can still be saved is what the old lady said and she's like that's like some christian imagery yeah, but she's like, you still have a chance. Like, you still have a chance to live your own life. Hmm. And so the way I saw it was, like, her parents put her on one set path that she must follow. Whether that be, like, their their idea of how she should live her life or, like, one life choice that she has to do. Yeah. And maybe this just speaks to me because that makes me think of my own life. But, um... No, I think that's a valid way to look at it, especially because even if the train... Because you choose one path in, it, yeah. like, in life, and it takes you It does you take through, you to death. And you think... It does take you to it death. It takes you straight to death, but it also takes you, like, through one pathway, yeah. and you, you're you left wondering, like, God damn it, I wish I didn't do this, because I could have, like, yeah. done something else, and I only did this because my parents told me to, or whatever. Yeah. My parents put me on this path of the train, and... She realizes finally that, and the woman applauds or praises her for thinking like, it's not too late. I mm-hmm. can still change this path and yeah. I'm gonna do it, which I love. And maybe that just speaks to me that way, just 
personal no, experience. No, no, I think that, like, I think that is. Because she runs out of this train and she ends up in, like, a beautiful meadow with, like, a pretty town mm-hmm. and, like, she's able to be, fr- and at the end I remember the, I think I have the, I can read the end, but it was really beautiful and it was, like, she was free, basically, to kind of, like, live her own life. Yeah. Which I really liked. It was so cool. It's a good, it's a, it's a short read. It's worth reading. It's, yeah, incredibly short. Let me find where it says. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like awakening, like one awakening from a sleep of death, she walked along the gravel path that twinkled within the mica of the little pebbles. Oh, and the people on the train are trying to catch her, too. Like, they notice that she leaves and I see that as, like, society saying, like, no, if you pick a path, like, you must stick on it. And you must stick to it forever. And you're not allowed to change your life path. But she's, like, wisened up to the idea that, like, no, I can change my life path if I want. Because this is frightening. And I am not going to, like, see this to the end. I'm going to pick a different path. And mm-hmm. the old lady's, like... Let me see what the old lady says. She says... Oh, gosh, what is it? I'm trying to find it. A chance. She says, Good, you're a spunky one. You have hit upon it. That is the one trick left. Because Mary says, The woman says, You didn't go back. Because Mary's like, Mary's like, Oh, my parents put me on this and I didn't look back. Yeah. I wanted, she's like, I wanted to go back in the station. I wanted to turn and like choose something different. Mm -hmm. I think it's also significant that she's a young woman talking to an old woman. Yeah. Old woman who's ridden this train. This is the second time she's riding this train, which I find so interesting. And the old woman says, but you didn't go back. You chose not to go back. And now there's nothing you can do about it. And Mary says, oh yes, there is. There is still something I can do. I'm going to get off anyway while there's still time. I'm going to pull the emergency cord. Yeah. And so... I mean, you can also think yeah. of... Re- you could also read that as a suicide attempt. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true, too. Oh, God. Okay, and then Mary says... Oh, no, the old woman says, Good, you're a spunky one. You've hit upon it. That is the one trick left. The one assertion of the will remaining. Oh, gosh, that is suicide-like. I thought that, too, was frozen. There's a chance now. Mary says, what do you mean? What do you mean a chance? And the old lady says, a chance to escape. We're nearing the seventh station. I know this trip well. There's time yet. I'll tell you the best moment to pull the cord. Then you must run. The platform of the station will be deserted. So there's nine kingdoms. She gets off at the seventh. Uh-huh. I think the numbers are significant. I'm trying to they think, have to though. Be. So ninth, I think of the ninth hour. So that's the hour of Christ's um, crucifixion. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ninth hour. Nine is also, you know, divisible by three, and three is a divine number, the Holy Trinity, but it's also divine feminine to the triple moon goddess. And then the, the kid, the Mary's like, oh, how can I believe you that nine, how can nine I Nine levels you? of hell. Dante's Inferno. And then the woman says, I've been on your side all along, but I could not tell you. I couldn't help you until you made the first positive decision. So the decision to change. Mm. That is one of the rules. And she says, rules? What rules? The rules in the book of the train company. Every organization has to have bylaws, certain commandments to make things run smoothly. So to me, it just read like as societal rules. Yeah. 
like this is what's expected of a woman yeah. or you if you pick a path you must stick to it yeah no but i also think this is what is expected of a woman yeah i think we could also look i mean like are there nine phases of life for a woman i don't i don't know are there let's think I know mother Nine? mother maiden crow maiden mother crow. What are you talking about? Crone. Nine? You have the maiden, the young girl. You yeah. have the mother, and then yeah. you have the crone. Yeah, those are female archetypes, right? Yes. So like the but they come in stages of life. The maiden is when you're you're a young woman, you're unmarried. The mother is what you become when you get married and have children. Yeah. And the crone is what you become. Yeah. That's three. So I'm trying to think maybe. But I actually don't think there's anything there. She has to leave her suitcase on the train, too. And the old lady's like, no, you're not taking anything with you. You're going. Do you think it's suicide? Damn it. Really? I think you can read it as suicide, but I also think you can read it as other stuff. I really, I really loved reading it as, like, she's going to break, she's going to break, like, social mores and break, Mm -hmm. like, the cycle. The tradition of the train is, like, you stay on until the end. Yeah. I love that. Oh. And trains are like liminal spaces too. They're they're not a place to be. Yeah. They're a place where you are when you're going somewhere. Right. So she had to get off anyway. I think her initial stop was the Ninth Kingdom. I mean, I love the self sacrifice. Yeah. The crucifixion. Oh God. Self sacrifice for her parents' choice. Yeah, like for her life. You know, at, at you know at some point, men and women, we sacrifice parts of ourselves to fit into the norms, especially how our know, parents tell us pre- we should. Yeah. generational expectations for like older values like that like i'm not saying that women and men have to sacrifice don't sacrifice parts of themselves even today still yeah yeah we can see it i love that this train has a cord like what if the like what train would have a cord that doesn't expect you to use it yeah so like the option is always there and was always there but like we're trained to not use it yeah and to not we're told take you it. can't get off and like, we're you told have like to you cannot change your mind mm-hmm. but you can with enough will is what this lady is saying yeah you could kill yourself <laughs> she calls it a positive choice don't call it a suicide i mean if i'm choice. thinking about it it's lining up with her suicide attempts i know <sighs> that's why i think but like again like you can read it the author's dead read against the text i am (laughs) i think this can be i think it's an empowering story and then she she gets to okay like one awakening from a sleep of death so she's in a park now she like makes it through this weird empty station she's in a park and it's funny the station she exits on is empty because nobody takes this takes charge of their life Mm -hmm. in this way to me, at least. Like, no one takes charge of this. I also of course think nobody's going to be in this station. I think it's because it's a personal journey, and it's, I think it's happening internally. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, yeah. the train is a metaphor. So I think it's empty, be- except for this old woman. Oh. Because it's, like, that's all that exists there. Like, one awakening from a sleep of death. And to me, like, a sleep of death is, like... Maybe it's when she you live your to life, kill herself. Or it's, like, you live your life kind of... As a dead person, just following the rules. Yeah, like you don't really that are exist. laid out for you. Yeah. Instead of being an active participant in your life and an active like person who chooses what you want to do with your life, you're gonna eat a cracker. <laughs> if you hear crunching, we're eating crackers. Um, 
There's so many people that wander through life asleep. Mm-hmm. And they don't really wake up to NPCs, they they end up at the will. they end up at the end of their yeah, like an NPC. And they end up at the end of their life thinking like, oh my god, there was so much I could have done and I wasn't even aware of it. Or they don't because they're Or brain they dead. don't ever. Like one awakening from a sleep of death, she walked along the gravel path that twinkled with the mica of little pebbles. It was the spring of the year, and there was a woman selling flowers on the street corner singing to herself. Mary could see the full boxes of white roses and daffodils looped with green leaves, and this woman in a brown coat bending maternally over the display. Maternally. Interesting. And it's the woman from the train. As Mary approached, the woman lifted her head and met Mary's eyes with a blue gaze of triumphant love. Unless it's not the woman from the train. I don't think so. I have been waiting for you, dear, she said. I, I didn't know what spring, to make of that. That's like a, that reminds me of like a springtime goddess. Yeah. Persephone up in here welcoming, and so there's welcoming a maternal... you back from the underworld. Ooh. I like that. And she, it's a maternal figure over yeah. the flowers. The roses and daffodils. I love that. A blue gaze of triumphant love. I think Choosing she's meeting, live. like, I think she's meeting, what's it called? She's about to reparent herself. Well, I feel like <laughs> there we have the trifecta I was talking about. We have yeah. the maiden, which is Mary. She's a young girl. Yeah, the mother. The, the mother. And the crone we have the, the crone. The, the crone is that giving advice. guide her. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, my God. I don't know what it means. I mean, it's like if you have a strong enough will, there will be like things to guide your way. Yeah. To success. I mean, that's how it's been. Or it's like even me. like taking the reins. It is like taking, taking the, the reins, reins on back. Your own get life. off the train. Yeah. You don't have to be there. No. Just because your parents say you gotta be there. No. Yeah. Parents Screw say that. other stuff too. They don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just because you're generationally you gotta do it yeah Mm-mm. i mean so i loved that and oh what do i have in our notes homosocial bonds that comes you for talking about that. market let's just read daddy and i'll read mad girls love poem yeah this is just gonna be like us being a simp for our mom sylvia yeah. plath and we're gonna just like read some stuff i might I wonder if I could dig out, like, her journal and read, like, a random page. That would be very also. funny. I wonder if I have it sitting here. We could play, like, that, um... I do have it. So, I don't know if you guys played this at your sleepovers, but... <laughs> <laughs> I hate sleepovers. Yeah, Katana's a freak. She can't sleep anywhere but her own house. But, like, also, <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, so, there's this game where you can... It's, like, a future-telling game... Um, and you, you use the Bible and you ask, you ask a question, <laughs> I never your friend did that. randomly opens to a page and like you have your eyes closed and you, wherever your finger lands, that sentence is the prediction. Okay, I have our mother's unabridged journals here in case we want to flip to a random page and see the inner Syracuse. mechanisms of her mind. Um, actually right now, what? I want us to go to page 69. Okay. We're doing journal first. Well, I just want you to read the first sentence on page 69. Okay, you got and it. And that will be your sex life for 2022. Okay, let's get ready. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, 
I put her on the bed crooning determinedly over the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. Hopefully pleasurable screaming. Uh, Poor baby, you haven't had a nap today. She's talking to her child, Lizzie. No wonder you're tired. You're reading the second line. It's only one sentence. You get one. Okay. I put her on the bed crooning determinedly over the screaming. Yeah. There you go. It's somebody soothing a screaming infant. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't like that at all. Well, um, there you go. That's well, that. how you predict your future. Okay. And that I've never played that game in a sleepover, so now... Now you have. have. This isn't a sleepover, but yes. Yeah. Okay. Late. So, what... Your poem is... What? Villanelle. It's Mad Girl's love song. Okay. Okay. I shut my eyes and the world drops dead. I lift my lids and all is born again. I think I made you up inside my head. The stars go waltzing out in blue and red. An arbitrary blackness gallops in. I shut my eyes and the world drops dead. I dreamed that you bewitched me into bed and sung me moonstruck, kissed me quite insane. I think I made you up inside my head. God topples from the sky. Hell's fires fade. Exit seraphim and Satan's men. I shut my eyes and all the world drops dead. I fancied you'd return the way you said. But I grow old and I forget your name. I think I made you up inside my head. I should have loved a thunderbird instead. At least when spring comes they roar back again. I shut my eyes and all the world drops dead. I think I made you up inside my head. Wow. She's everything to me. I know. She's great. Like, how does that come out of somebody? I know. Where did she pull it from? Oh, that was one of our notes for this episode was like, I can't believe she was a real person. I can't believe she was a real person. I know. I know. (laughs) It's like she was only made to be on this planet for like the years of Christ. Yeah. The years of Christ's yeah. <laughs> age. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I have Daddy pulled up. Daddy. Daddy. Um, <laughs> wow, this is long. Okay. Let's do it. You do not do, you do not do any more black shoe, in which I have lived like a foot for thirty years, poor and white, barely daring to breathe or achoo. Daddy, I have had to kill you. You died before I had time. Marble heavy, a bag full of God. Ghastly statue with one gray toe, big as a Frisco seal. And a head in the freakish Atlantic, where it pours bean green over blue in the waters off beautiful Nosset. I used to pray to recover you, Achdu. In the German tongue in the Polish town, scraped flat by the roller of wars, wars, wars. But the name of the town is common, my Polak friend, says there are a dozen or two. So I never could tell where you put your foot, your root. I never could talk to you. The tongue stuck in my jaw. It's stuck in a barbed wire snare. Ick, 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 ick. I could hardly speak. I thought every German was you, and the language obscene. An engine, an engine, chuffing me off like a Jew. A Jew to Dachau, Auschwitz, Belsen. 
I began to talk like a Jew. I think I may well be a Jew. The snows of the Tyrol, the clear beer of Vienna, are not very pure or true. With my gypsy ancestress and my weird luck and my Tarek pack and my Tarek pack, I may be a bit of a Jew. I've always been scared of you with your Luftwaffe, your gobbledygoo, and your neat mustache, and your Aryan eye, bright blue, Panzerman, Panzerman, oh you. Not God, but a swastika, so black no sky could squeak through. Every woman adores a fascist, the boot in the face, the brute, brute heart of a brute like you. You stand at the blackboard, daddy, in the picture I have of you, a cleft in your chin instead of your foot, but no less a devil for that. No, not any less the black man who bit my pretty red heart in two. I was ten when they buried you. At twenty I tried to die and get back, back, back to you. I thought even the bones would do, but they pulled me out of the sack and they stuck me together with glue and then I knew what to do. I made a model of you, a man in black with a Mein Kampf look and a love of the rack and the screw and I said, I do, I do. So daddy, I'm finally through. The black telephone's off at the root. The voices just can't worm through. If I've killed one man, I've killed two. The vampire who said he was you and drank my blood for a year, seven years if you wanna know. Daddy, you can lie back now. There's a stake in your fat black heart and the villagers never liked you. They are dancing and stamping on you. They always knew it was you. Daddy, daddy, you bastard, I'm through. Mm-hmm. There's no Nazi lampshade in this one. Where's the Nazi lampshade? The Nazi lampshade is in Lady Lazarus. Uh, damn it. The daddy one. But, That's like, rough, people man. read that as completely autobiog- autobiographical because, you know, she's confessional poetry. Yeah. But, like, you know, give her some creative license. So right? he wasn't really a Nazi. Her dad was not a Nazi. He was German. He was German. He was Polish, I think. But she, did she have a bad relationship with him? I mean, he died when she was 10. He was probably, I mean, like, I imagine... He was probably, what, just, like, neglectful? Probably cold and distant. Cold and distant. I can But, like, that. I mean... She tried to die Ted, to get back to him. Yeah, she was sad. She was 10 years old her first time she tried to kill herself. Oh. And then 20, and then 30. And then she married Ted Hughes, who was, like... Like her dad. Her dad. A brute. Mind comp mm-hmm. look. A man in black. Seven years, to be as precise. And so she says, if I've killed one man, I've killed two. Because she did end up leaving Ted Hughes. That's right. Oh, gosh. So you could probably read that as pretty autobiographical, but, like, also on its own. Like, it's a character dealing with a very complex relationship with their father. Yeah. And, like, seeing how they destroy themselves. And how they replicate the relationship, even though it was terrible. Because it's like, and it's also her trying mm-hmm. to get. I Back. read just a lot of generational knowledge yeah. that she's trying to get to, but she can't because he's dead. Well, and it's also part of that American experience where you don't have an ancestral past to look back on. Like, yeah, that. she did not have ancestry DNA. She did not have ancestry DNA. And maybe it could have saved her life if she had it. <laughs> I really think so. Maybe some Zoloft? Oh, gosh. I don't know what she needed, but... I'm upset uh, she didn't get it. Our poor mother. Yeah. Well. 
It's pretty much. I mean, we'll probably talk about Celia Plath, obviously, more. But should we read another section of her journal? Yeah. Pick a number. Three hundred and twenty-four. Three hundred twenty-four, and you want this to be like your. Yeah, future? you just you choose. What is it gonna be? And it's gonna be what like the you first just say sentence? like I said yeah I said the first sentence is your sex life, you can say like the fifth sentence is who you're gonna marry. I don't know. It's like little stuff like that. Uh, I'm gonna read the first sentence of this full like start to this and mm-hmm. it's gonna be i don't know i don't know what it's gonna be for you i don't know what to say okay it's something that's gonna happen in the future also wait i forgot to mention this i had a friend tell me that she had a friend who wrote a thesis on sylvia plath and ted hughes and tarot cards interesting and like the world of like tarot and horoscopes and astrology and how it coincides with Sylvia Plath's stuff. Mm. Interesting, like, the imagery of that. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily I don't know what to say think there's about a lot. It. I don't, yeah, I don't know what to think about it. I don't know if she was, like, like mystical a, in that way. Like a, know. like a thesis? Like, for school? Like a, like a yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. kind of weird. And then, I don't know what the Tarek thing was. Tarot? That was Tarot? Mm-hmm. With the, like, I Tarek, like, a Jew thing? A Tarek pack, yeah. Because, um... Like a gypsy? Yeah, people of Romani ancestry were targeted during the Holocaust as well. I wonder... Travelers. Mm-hmm. So she feels separate from her dad, too. Yeah. Like I mean, like, Jew. also, I mean, German ancestry around that time, she's saying, like, she felt like a Jew. I mean, there's... There's people who fled countries for religious persecution reasons. And yeah. once they got here, they were like, well, we're not going to be that religion. Not yeah. here. So maybe it was like hinting at she had an obscure ancestry. But like also, that's the part people get upset about. And I think that's pretty understandable. What? She's like taking the experience of a Holocaust victim being, being, um, charted off uh-huh. to Auschwitz to yeah as like how like, she my feels. dad didn't say hi to me yeah so it's just kind of like you're We're roasting our mother a little bit yeah shouldn't have done that Sylvia yeah okay here's the beginning of the all right so this is gonna happen in the future <laughs> Wednesday February 5th Jesus weary wicked unprepared on Joyce for tomorrow Imagine like, like writing she that Joyce? way. Imagine or reading it. Imagine Unprepared writing that way, and tomorrow? this is just her diary. I know. That's beautiful. Weary, wicked. Yeah, she's so edgy. She's an edge lord. Bless her. <laughs> Unprepared on Joyce for tomorrow makes me think she read it, or she was teaching it. Was she a teacher at any point? What does unprepared on James Joyce for tomorrow mean? I can't even remember reading these diaries. Weary, wicked, unprepared on Joyce for tomorrow, steeped in hot tub, scrubbing of skin scum, and greenly soaking, hot, the kinks and and cranks out of my system. Am I living half alive? I am so tired after last night and the mound of dishes after the pressure cooker of patchwork last-minute preparation 
always the vision of how much better I could be doing, and I could be, knocking them agog that I feel in a dream, a fog out of which familiar faces loom, smiling, helloing, eyeing each other with a secret knowledge. Oh, like for school? Yeah. Oh gosh, I thought she was teaching it. An aspirin doled an eye ache, headache of fatigue. Be good next week. Tomorrow, slap together two chapters, two hours of Joyce discussion. Crackling, he, crackling, he peels off his sweater. White skin, black hair. This morning I dreamed of the new face, the only one, somehow, who is lovely, dark, liquid-eyed. Faintly sallow-skinned, golden with green shadows, holding hands and driving through students, effused with an ineffable sweetness and euphoria, and then to wake to no lonely bed but the touch of my own man. Is she dreaming about her teacher? Is she fantasizing about her I mean, teacher? She fantasized about a professor one time or another. And the fa- <laughs> And the fate true. And the faces on our dreaming lovers change and tremble into the image of morning like the face reflected on an unquiet pool, gathering and gathering, this is all the same sentence, gathering and gathering together its fragments into a scarcely trembling visage into the final inevitable knit stillness. After the sweat and fury of the bed, weary we drugged, dregged, gulping half a cup of coffee, one bite of beech plum jam spread toast, Sticky body of sweats and exudings and odors into worn, thick wools sheathed. Damn. That's someone describing the disgust of of living. (laughs) Yeah. Like being alive. Having to do that. Oh my god. Yeah, no, she was unwell. But so well. And sick, shocked, through ice blue air, over crusty, shrunk snowdrifts to Arvin's lecture shutting the door and shutting the door on late students spoiled faces sweet faces ugly faces far i am now so what i say a morning of guilt baby fiends black veils and i i sluggard take it in now my afternoon hour to be done tomorrow secret sin i envy covet lust wander lost red heeled red gloved black flowing coated Catching my image in shop windows, car windows, a stranger, sharper visage, stranger than I knew. I have a feeling this year will seem a dream when I'm done. Ew. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's like when you don't feel real. I mean, I get it. Oh, oh, oh. Wow, I've never started reading this. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. It's amazing. She's really good. And she's just writing that. She's really good at writing. (laughs) And she's just writing that for herself. Okay, nerd fight. Nerd fight. She's got to fight Mary Shelley. I think she wants to die anyway, and Mary Shelley's just Mary Shelley would win. win. She would plow through that. So then next week... I think we're reading Dracula. No, we're reading Carmilla. We are reading Carmilla. So Carmilla is a lesbian o- vampire. It's the OG vampire yes, book. Yes, the OG vampire book. Written um, in 1871. Mm-hmm, by an Irish guy. Let me find out who the Irish guy is. Carmilla. Just some Irish dude. Book. And I'm excited to read it. And then we're, I think the next week is Dracula. Sheridan Lefanu. Mm-hmm. 
So this was Dracula before Dracula, and I'm excited to... It predates Dracula by 26 years. Mm-hmm. Excited to see. I haven't read this before. Have you? Uh-uh. I didn't even know it existed until you told me about it. Yeah. One of the early works of vampire fiction. First published as a serial in The Dark Blue. The story is narrated by a young woman preyed upon by a female vampire named Carmilla, later revealed to be Mercala Countess Karnstein. Oh my god. Spoilers. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Character is a prototypical example of the lesbian vampire expressing romantic desires toward the protagonist. The novella notably never acknowledges homosexuality as an antagonistic trait, leaving it subtle and morally ambiguous. The story is often anthologized, has been adapted many times in film and other media. Exciting. So that's what we're going to look at next week. Sheridan Lefanu. Lefanu. That's okay. after that. He was 58 when he died. Why are all these people dying so young? I know. And he's going to have to fight Mary Shelley. I don't know. I think Mary Shelley is going to kick his ass a little bit. <laughs> Let me see his picture. You know, in terms no, of he's like, gonna kill her in a what? very vicious way, I think. Oh my god! All right, I mean, I'll have to. Completely... He looks like a straight up murderer. <laughs> he's like, you think you can defeat me? And think about like little Mary Shelley, like in he's her precious little... little face. He's gonna just destroy Mary her Shelley of... at seventeen. Was saying was writing about a man. Stealing dead body parts and building a man. <laughs> I think this guy, she literally like runs into him in a back alley and he just decimates mm. her. I, I just mean, see I'll it. have it's to make grim, the decision after I read. You're Carmilla. gonna make the decision. I'll have to put yeah, in my vote. And then after that, we've got Story of the Eye. So excited! To oh talk gosh. About it. Okay, and so we've we squished week three and four together together so it's kind of now 11 weeks of horror but not really because no. we're like in the because we, we we're still on schedule yeah we read both okay yeah that's there, there just won't weeks. be 12 episodes yeah but whatever we don't play by our own rules yeah. sometimes we get off the train yeah before the ninth kingdom and we don't even need an old woman to give us advice yeah we just do it. No. We are our own old yeah. women. I am my own crone. I am my own crone. <laughs> be your own crone. And that's, that's what we'll our, end on. That's our sign off. So be your own crone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we will see you mm-hmm. next week. Bye. Bye.